Welcome to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where pastor and author Matt Brown debriefs your questions about Christianity and current issues shaping our culture. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Debrief Podcast with Matthew Stephen Brown. I'm your host today, Alfredo Ramos. You can just call me Fredo. It's a yep. pleasure to be with you today. And uh, man, we're going to just jump right in. We've got a handful of questions to get into this week. So yeah, I hope you're ready. How you feeling? I'm ready. Great. Uh, thanks for uh, preaching at Sandals while I'm gone. As you guys can tell, I got a little cold. I got back from Ireland and um, the Guinness is still with me. <laughs> so Some might say it's a good thing. Some might I don't say think I not. don't think it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, the Irish the Irish drink at levels, I I cannot explain. <laughs> like, have you ever? And in you're Mexican, well, half Mexican. Yeah. I mean, I mean Latinos can drink. Oh, but, for But sure. have you ever been to anything Hispanic where alcohol beer is served at breakfast? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so in in yeah. Ireland, they're drinking Guinness for breakfast. Like yeah. I'm getting my eggs, my sausage, and my Guinness, and I was just like, "What? Yeah, it's just weird." You'll too. see people have a bola pozole in the morning with okay. a Bud Light or a Modelo. Okay, okay. See, a I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's that's, that's culturally common. odd for me. Yeah. So I didn't know that. Okay, so it's, yeah. So, so that, yeah, I mean, it's a bit heavy. I yeah, don't know yeah, how yeah. normal it is, but yeah, yeah. So. I mean, like grandmas, like having a. <laughs> I'm like, wow. So. um yeah, I appreciate the Irish authenticity. Like I asked a pastor a question and he said, okay, you want you want the answer or you want the Guinness answer? And I go, what's the Guinness answer? He goes, we sit down and have a couple Guinness and my answer will change. Dang, yeah, I like I was that. I'm like, whoa. I like that. You I'm know, about to borrow that. My little Southern Baptist roots, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was... Um, it was it was a good trip, but I did not yeah. I didn't sleep, so I got I, I'm just under under the weather a bit. So. Well, we are glad to have you back. Thank you. It's it good was, to see you. It's good to hear you preach on the weekend. Thank you, brother. Yeah, thanks, man. Alfredo's the secret sauce of sandals. I'll receive that. Yes, I'll receive that. Like that in and out sauce. Mm. Secret. That's a high calorie, but sauce. a high in calorie. Yeah, yeah, probably not good. Yeah, we're we're on that deficit plan. So mm. I'm allergic to egg, egg white. So almost all like sauces, I I can't have. Oh man. Yeah, and I mean egg white is like. That's like my allergy. That that's if you want Matt Brown to die, serve me mayonnaise. Make it. Yeah. <laughs> so all right. Well, on that note, let's get into yes. these questions. <clears throat> First one is an anonymous one from someone from California. It's a bit long, but here we go. They write in my husband is a former military and former police officer and always has always been a prepper. We've been married for three years, and prior to getting married, we did discuss eventually moving out of state. The world events of the last two years have caused major concerns for my husband. We've sold our home, and he hopes to find a home with property and the ability to be self-sufficient and the best tactical location out of, sti- out of state. I like that word, tactical. Yeah, I know. Over the last two years, I've become very connected with Sandals, serving consistently in three areas, and yes, Pastor, tithing too. Mm, yeah, thank <laughs> you for that. Sandals has been a huge part of my life, and I have expressed my feelings with my husband on my recent and my recent concerns about moving. I have been praying for God to guide us where to go, but part of me feels that I'm supposed to stay. Uh, my husband feels the opposite. We are in Christian counseling, but I would like to know your thoughts. What if a husband and a wife are torn on moving out of state? Do you end a marriage for that? Does the woman submit and follow her husband? My, my And then she adds this, my husband has always had a belief in God, but never attended church due to him seeing the corruption until he met me. He is relatively new to his faith. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, that's a loaded question. And so, um, you know, Annie Moss, I mean, a podcast is not a pastor. So this is why I think being in a local church with a pastor, uh, minister, somebody who can really kind of see through the nuances, because, you know, a question like this is from one perspective. So it's her perspective from what she's writing. It's from how I interpret it. And so I just have to be honest that I don't have all the information here. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a couple things, you know, that I just want to, you know, challenge here. He, he's seen the corruption and I just want to, I think it's really easy to target or be critical of the church. I just want people to listening to know that there are 360,000 Christian congregations in America. So your experience with the church is so extraordinarily and minimally small you have no idea of the scope of the church. And so we need to be very, very careful. Uh, I remember years ago, I went to Australia and somebody said, how'd you like the Australians? He's like, they're all jerks. And I go, well, how many have you met? And he's like, three. I'm like, well, there's 17 million, you mm. know, like mm -hmm. your small sample size. And that's not to say that there aren't hypocrites or there isn't corruption within the church, but there's an extraordinarily massive amount of Christians who love Jesus, who are not corrupt, who are doing, you know, the right things. I just got back from Ireland and, um, I went and preached at a very, very small church in America's size, in, in terms of American size. But for Europe, right. it was a mega church for Christians. And these guys are good guys, and they've lost everything to um, serve Christ, to become Christians. When this guy's dad found out, he became born again. So in Ireland, you know, in America, we talk about racism, black, white brown, white, whatever. But in Ireland, it's Protestant Catholic. So when you think about um, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, that one day Protestants and Catholics, I mean, that's in his speech. Oh man, yeah. And, and a lot of Americans fail to see that because, because we've moved to a more of a secular society, that rift has kind of been lost. And uh, it's been a tension in America, but not nearly like it was in Europe and specifically in Ireland. But when he became a born-again Christian, his dad wrote him off, had a funeral for him, wrote him out of the will. Wow. Because in his mind, he became Protestant. And he's like, I'm not Protestant, Dad. I'm born again. But wow. so anyways, but this guy's doing it. And so we got to be really, really careful that we don't lump, um, you know, in the same way that would I hold this woman's husband responsible for the acts of Darren, uh, Darren Chauvin, how, the officer that put his knee on George Floyd's neck? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so in the same way, you know, the defund the police movement, right? You take an isolated incident and you say all of police is corrupt. All of police officers are corrupt. And I don't think that this police officer would say that was true. I think what he would say is they're bad cops. Right. And what I would say is there's bad Christians, there's bad pastors, there's bad churches, but you can't indict the entire movement because of your unique experience. Um, and so I just would push back on that. And I, you know, I'm a little sensitive to that because you know, I started off, you know, we're going to change the church and now I'm an old fart. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> look, people are difficult. The church is difficult and, and, and there are real, real challenges. Sandals is not a perfect church, but I really, really try. But there's people that think I'm corrupt, think I'm a hypocrite. There are people in my own city that think I'm, I'm a terrible human being. And what it is, is I'm just, I'm flawed. I've made mistakes and, you know, I mean, it's, but I've, I've tried the best I can. Um, but people see that and they see sandals and, you know, they have all these opinions. So I just am a little sensitive to that. So that's yeah. my bias there. Um, and then he's never been a part of church. So he's criticizing something he's not a part of. He's still right. not a part of it. The closest he is to the church is her. Is his wife. Yeah. 
So then there's a couple things, you know, he's a prepper. So what is that? This is a person who's fixated and focused on disaster. And really, a prepper is ultimately consumed with self-preservation, which is the antithesis of Christianity. Christianity is, is really living for others. And so, you know, as, as a Christian historian, what set the Christians apart is when the plagues would come, when the disasters would come, when the wars would come, when the rumors of wars would come, all the secularists left the towns, right. left the cities, but the Christians stayed because they felt like they had a moral obligation as citizens of the kingdom of God to help. Right. And so this is the tension between what God's telling you and what he's hearing. Mm -hmm. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you that's saying, we don't run from problems and create a cave and, and food for ourselves, but we see these worldwide catastrophes as opportunities to serve, to be selfless, and to love. And so this is why for everybody listening, you don't marry a non-Christian because you have a fundamental disagreement of the, the, the movement of your marriage. Marriage is hard enough for two Christians who love each other to become one. That right. is a difficult process. But then you throw in, oh, we, we have different religions. And so he's religious. His religion is a religion of self-preservation, okay? Um, you know, he's his own prophet. He sees the world. He sees what's happening. Uh, and he's making prophecies. Doom is coming. So we need to move out of California. We need to, to do these things. And so here's the thing is, is there evidence for doom? Yes. But here's the thing. There always is evidence right. for this. Right. There's never been a season where there hasn't been wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, and famines. This has existed throughout human history. Um, and so, you know, that's why, you know, could Jesus come tomorrow? Sure. Why not today? I always mm. ask people, well, why not today? Mm. You know, I mean, come right now. Um, and so, so what I would say is you have a real serious situation. And what I would say is instead of talking about, should we move out of state or should we not, how are we going to become one? Because this is a real exactly. issue. Exactly. And here's what I would say to her as a Christian woman, this is only going to get worse for you yeah. when you move to him, to this compound. Right. And the location won't change. No, the issue. it will make him worse. Right. Because he's going to become more paranoid. And so, you know, Tammy and I, we, we vacation um, in a state up north. Tammy doesn't like me to say that state, but um, there's a lot of preppers there. And these people, when they get there, they don't get better. They get more paranoid. Paranoia wow. is never resolved with paranoid, paranoid decisions. It gets worse. And so these people want to be more secluded off the grid and they just keep marching into isolation. And so what she has to do is just say, do I want to leave the state for a person who wants to live a isolated, self-protected life when I am a Christian and God has called me to a communal life where I live to serve? And, um, you know, and here's the joke of the preppers. If it all goes bad, really bad like they believe a bunker ain't helping right it's not helping right and it's just it's just going to be something horrific that you know that we have to endure and you know um and for me my ultimate security is not in a bunker it's in christ and so if i die in this life um i pray that the lord makes it not miserable but you know god is god and 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 ultimately my passing is something that i submit to him mm. and and how that happens but I, I am not living for this earth. I'm living for the new earth, the new kingdom, the return of Jesus, who will make all things right and will restore me through resurrection 
Amen. to a body that works and is beautiful and is free from sin and to a world that's free from conflict and where resources are abundant. That's the kingdom that Christ promises. Yes. And so yes. you are headed for a different future than your husband, and that's the problem. Now, should that be a reason for divorce? No, but it should be a consideration because yeah. you have two different destinations. And the Apostle Paul specifically says in 1 Corinthians 7, if your unbelieving husband wants to go their own way, I'm, I'm being loose with my translation here because that's what Paul's saying. They do not want to support you in your, your life of Christ. Do, they do not want to submit to Jesus. He says you can let them go. Now, there's a word for that. It's divorce. Right. It's separation, whatever. So would I advise someone to follow a spouse whose entire livelihood is contrary to the gospel. And I would say, no, I, you have a greater commitment and calling to Jesus. You probably shouldn't have entered into this marriage. Mm -hmm. And so I would just be honest with the spouse on that. Like, hey, I should have been more upfront with you as to how important Jesus was to me. Because a lot of people, you know, they don't want to be single. But what they really do is they dupe their unbelieving spouse. I remember... Um, I was talking to this guy at the gym. We were talking about the gym before the show. And he's like, he married a Christian woman. He's like, she wants to tithe. He's like, what the heck is that? And I, and I get it. I'm like, I mean, like you need wow. to be upfront with somebody about, yeah. Hey, 10% of my income goes to my church. Yeah. Like that needs to be a part of the negotiations of marriage. And he's like, he's like, I'm not for that. And I go, I get it, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I wouldn't want to marry my wife if she wanted to give 10% to Walmart. I'd be like, Hey, <laughs> you know, we need to talk about this. So, so what I would just say is, or Target, some, or some target, of our wives be yeah. given a little bit more than ten. Target, yeah. Um, I would be really honest about the marriage, and he needs yes. to decide: does he want to be isolated in a bunker, or does he want to be with you? Yeah. Because you have stated from your email question that you have a calling. You're saying I'm sensing that's a calling. God, I have a family here at Salesforce, but he doesn't. He doesn't belong to that. He doesn't right. identify with that. He identifies with you. So he likes, and this is what's wrong with our world and so many of our liberal friends, is they like they, they like the Judeo-Christian world, but they don't like Jesus as Lord. Mm. And so that's so he likes the Christian in you, but he doesn't want the Lord in him. Mm. And that's the that's mm -hmm. the issue. And um, because Jesus has changed her. And so, so what I would just say is I'm praying for you and, um, you know, divorce is a sin. It's an ugly thing, but there are reasons where we may have to choose that because, yeah. you know, God, if God's calling you to sandals and God's calling you to stay and minister in California and you don't do that, that's a sin. And ultimately you have to submit to the calling of God in your life, but you should have done that three years ago before you married him. Can't fix that now. Yeah. Now we have to deal with where we are now. But that's so, so important. And and so and and the lie of our culture, Fredo, is well, love is gonna fix this. Right. Well, for a while. Right. And uh, then there's real differences. Culture yeah. cultural differences, religious differences, political differences. And so then we have to we have to deal with personality if we have to deal with these issues. And so the beauty of um Christianity is, she said, should I submit to him? No, a Christian marriage is we submit one to another as to Christ. Yes. The problem is in this marriage, only one person can do that currently. Yeah. yeah. So you got any thoughts? Yeah. I, th I love what you just said right now about submission. I think hopefully recovering a healthy view of that yeah. for her will give her a sense of who she is, her own voice and her role in the marriage. 
Um, she mentioned they're in Christian counseling, so hopefully that becomes an environment right. for them to process this. She did mention they've been married for three years, so that feels about right at the moment yeah. where you realize some of our value systems are clashing now because there's clearly a difference, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and then she put in quotes the word tactical, and I just... I would imagine and be curious about like, is there another way that you view life or could there be a better way for us to view life than just every decision being a tactical one? Right. Like, yes, the world is complex. Life is both beautiful and also broken, but to only view things from a, a lens of, is this a tactical decision just mm -hmm. feels less freeing mm -hmm. and less enjoying, you know? And so hopefully like their marriage is not viewed as like, this is a tactical marriage, right. you know? But uh, hopefully the two of them, through counseling and conversation, get to a place where they think about their life as more than just, you know, we're imagining a map and where we got to go and what's going to make most sense and how close we are to the water tower or whatever the case is. And, like, think about the beauty of I'm not just in control of my life, but there's a God in heaven who is. And maybe there's more to life than just me yeah. prepping for yeah. the worst to happen, you know. And for him, you know, tactically speaking, what you need to share is you have a different commander than he does. Mm. And so he knows as a tactical man and military man. So when we were in the military, what we were taught is regardless of the plans, there's the commander's intent. And so why do they have that? Mike Tyson's got the greatest quote ever for commander's intent. He says, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> and so what happens in war is you have a plan, you land. If you land, it doesn't go right. You need to know what, what the, because the mission is going to, to tactically look different. Right. So what is the commander's intent? So his commander's intent is self-preservation. Yeah. I must survive. Your her, her intent is I must serve the Lord. Right. Those are two different very different. Very different things. And so you got you guys as a couple have to wrestle with you have two different commanders. Yeah. And so and so what does that look like? So I'll be praying for you guys. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right, next question. This one comes from Ashley from Nashville. She says, uh, what is your opinion on the ritual of anointing your home as protection from spiritual warfare? I recently came across a debate about the practice as someone posted a video of herself painting crosses in oil across all windows and thresholds of her home. Mm. Some said it was a pagan ritual. Others validated it because she was calling on the name of Jesus. As a mother of a new baby, congrats. Uh, I pray every day for protection around my son from evil, especially as he sleeps. I've considered the practice of anointing myself, but I do see a coincidence that people who practice witchcraft are also practicing, in quotes, cleansing rituals. And I want to be careful about what I adopt into my home. Do you have an opinion on this? Apologies for the long question. Love the podcast. Yeah, so the only uh, command for anointing with oil in the Bible is in James 5.16, in the Christian Bible. And that is for the healing, the physical healing. Right. Um, <clears throat> and so... What I would say is, you know, there's a fundamental difference between like witchcraft and Christianity. And so, so witchcraft is trying to summon energy through incantations, movements, oils, whatever, um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not a witch, so I, I don't, I don't understand it. Newsflash. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but Christian, Christians fundamentally misunderstand who they are. Mm. So. Um, it, so in the ancient world, um, a temple is this, I'm going to use this word is a magical place where heaven and earth collide. Yeah. It is an interdimensional place where both heaven and earth are real. So the word we use for that now is sacred spiritual. 
So here's the thing. She, did she give her name? Uh, Ashley. Ashley. Yeah, Ashley. Here's Ashley. what you need to understand. When you become a born-again Christian, you are that temple. You are yes. the place. You are the inter, interdimensional place where heaven and earth collide. The Holy Spirit of God resides in you. In your body. In your body. Yeah. So because you are that person, if you've given your life to Christ, what I would say is all you need to do is touch your infant with your hand and pray. Mm -hmm. Touch your house with your hand. You, you have no need for any external thing other than the presence of the Holy Spirit that is already within you. And what we see in the church when there's a transmission of power or prayer or whatever is touch, human mm -hmm. touch. Mm -hmm. Jesus touches them and blesses them. The apostles touch, you know, and lay hands praying over one another. And so there's this, there's this understanding that there's power within the believer that has been given to us by Christ. And so um, I recently moved into a new house about a year ago and I don't know, it, it, it had a feeling of darkness in it. And, and the first night I was there, I was with my son and the lights were flickering on and off. And, you know, when there's a power surge, um, all lights flicker on and off. Well, it was doing one at a time. Like it was doing weird things. And I just went up and I told my son, and we just laid hands on the walls and I just prayed and I said, Lord, you know, I, I don't like this. And so um, what I would just say as a Christian is we have the power and the authority to pray over things and places when we feel uncomfortable or attacked. Yeah. And in the name of Jesus, we can ask the enemy to be gone. Yeah. So we can pray that over our children. Uh, we can pray that over ourselves. We can pray that over our homes. I put my hand on the airplane. If you fly with me right before we step on the plane, every single time I put my hand on the plane and yeah. I say these words, Father, I do not put my trust in man-made things. I put my trust in you. Put an angel on both wings and get me where I need to go. Amen. I say that every time. Amen. Especially if you're on spirit. Airlines. Yes. Oh, dude. There is no spirit in spirit. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, That's good. Yeah. Uh, what do you call it? JetBlue's trying to buy them. I'm like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> what are you doing? Let it go. Let it go, bro. Um, that ain't the Holy Spirit Airlines. <laughs> so, so what I would say is, yeah, a lot of, of what we see, the rituals that we see in Christianity are adopted because they think that there's power in the ritual. There's power in the relationship. Amen. Yeah. I've confessed my sin and invited Jesus into me. And because of that, his spirit resides in me. And so I don't need the symbol of the cross. I don't need the oil. And I'm not saying that all symbols are bad. So sometimes as evangelicals, you know, we're allergic to like Ash Wednesday. I think right. there's beauty on, on putting ash on your forehead and reminding, saying everything, everything dies. Everything goes away. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's fine. Um, you know, but, but specifically, I would only anoint with oil in, for the purpose of healing because that's what the Bible teaches. Right. How about you? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when we practice it here at Sandals, oftentimes pastors will keep oil. So yeah. I used to have oil in my backpack. And like you said, it's, it's a symbolic reminder of spiritual realities, right? Yeah. So it's a physical sign that helps us become more aware of spiritual reality. So that if we are anointing someone with oil, mm -hmm. it is for the purpose of healing. It's for acknowledging that God's spirit is here in us. And we're now calling on God in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm to do a supernatural act yeah. to, to bring healing. So it is, it's more of an act of surrender than us trying to manipulate God, yeah. right? It's us just opening ourselves to God's power through a symbolic practice that we've seen done over the ages. Yeah. And that's know? what I meant by one of the fundamental differences between Christianity and witchcraft or wizardry is 
Witchcraft and wizardry is the manipulation of yes. things through words, potions, spells, or oils. Yeah. And, and really, why is that? They're admitting they don't have any internal power within themselves. Right. As Christians, we have the power of God within us, and so I don't need that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, you know, if, you know if, uh, if I had an encounter with a, 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 a demonic entity, I don't need the cross. Right. Because I have Jesus in me. Greater yeah. is he who is within you than is in the world. He doesn't yeah. say greater is he that is in a symbol than is in the world. No, no, no. The power of God is is within me. Right. And so when I'm confronting something that is evil, I have to trust the spirit of God within me. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah. Um, and I think it's beautiful that she's laying hands on a child. Yeah. I think regardless of what you maybe sense in the home or what you watched online. I think that's just a healthy spiritual practice yeah. as a new mom. You're going through a lot. Your body has changed. Yeah. Your emotions have changed. And so it's good from an early age, I think, to practice acknowledging the spiritual reality of life mm-hmm. of, of your child and you, yeah, just declaring life over him. Like, yeah. I want him to be a light in a dark world. I want him to grow up to know who he is in Jesus. I want myself to model that through prayer, you know? And so regardless of what you've seen or haven't seen, I think that's just a great practice. Like I want to continue to pray and lay hands, pray for their health, their safety. Yes. That they would make it through another night, you know? Um, And so, yeah, continue that practice, Mm -hmm. but, but do so from a place, I think of a little bit more relief and freedom that Mm -hmm. you're not necessarily, you know, trying to combat, something that's happening in the house. You know, yeah. I do remember in seminary, I'll, I'll share this story. It came to mind. A roommate of mine was struggling to sleep. Mm. His dad was a pastor. And so his, I remember his dad coming to the dorm room one night and he just uh, anointed the room and, mm. and prayed over his son. It was a beautiful act of love, yeah. you know? And again, it was, it was <clears throat> something we're not trying to manipulate anything, but we're just acknowledging my roommate was struggling mm. deeply emotionally and spiritually to sleep well and so, you know, his dad came through and, and we, we were intentional about just, God, this is a, a place of rest, of yeah. study. Um, you love this man and, and would he sense that in a unique way, you mm-hmm. know? And so, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Great question. Be praying yeah. for you. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> uh, our next question comes from Ali from Highland. Uh, her question is this, how do you honor your spouse and in-laws that are toxic during the holidays? while also maintaining the boundaries that we as a couple worked hard to set. Yeah, I would say that this is extraordinarily difficult for young couples. Um, Tammy and I did not do this well early on. Um, but I will say this. One of, the, one of the conversations I've had with my wife very firmly is we will not be those in-laws. Mm. Like, I put my foot... What do you mean by that? We will not be... so. A lot of in-laws, I think, lovingly think that their children, um, you know, and I, I love my son-in-laws. Uh, my daughter's sitting across the room from me right now. But they are, my family is not extended. Mm-hmm. Like, they are creating their own family with their own traditions and their own boundaries. The, here's what the Bible says. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, and the two... Not the four, the two shall become one flesh. And so I think that, and, and this is just a great example of where we have this, well, and you're Hispanic, so you, you realize far more than, you know, me, Mr. Tidy Whitey over here, like white people, <laughs> white people have far more freedom in family than say Hispanic culture, you know, like, yeah. I mean, you probably never had a free weekend in your life because oh, there's man. a birthday party everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's been a minute. Yeah. It's and it's, a and it's a, you know, and it's a, 
and I have white friends who've married into Hispanic families and are like, dude, we don't have a weekend scheduled for till Jesus comes. <laughs> um, and so, it, you know, culture, culture challenges this, you yeah, know, based yeah. on that culture. And, and there are parts of Hispanic culture that I love, you know, kind of that, that idea of familia, you know, whereas in white culture, you know, you're on your own buddy, yeah. you know? So, um, but what we looked at is the things that her parents did that we didn't like. And then things that my parents did, we didn't like, we said, okay, we want to be different. And so, um, I learned some healthy boundaries from my parents. You know, I learned some things from Tammy's parents. They weren't boundaries, but they were some healthy things. And we've just tried to come up with that together, but it's hard as a mom and dad where we we've gotten this, this beautiful thing called Christmas where we've gotten to have our kids and we've gotten to dictate what that looks like. And it's mm-hmm. a season mm-hmm. and it's hard to let that go. And it's going to be harder for Tammy than for me. But, um, you know, we need to support and encourage our kids as they establish their own rhythms and their own seasons and celebrate those things. But it's really, really difficult. And most parents don't do that. And so what I would say is really what it comes down to is you and your husband having a real talk with each other, and then talking with your parents before. So one of the things that drove me crazy with my wife's family is, and they did this every single Easter and every single Christmas and every single Holy Day. It drove me insane. Now, I never confronted it. Mm. What I just did was I complained and griped about it to Tammy, and I wasn't a man, and I should have dealt with it. Mm. They planned every single holiday at 9 a.m. on Sunday. (laughs) Birthday parties, Easter egg hunts, you name it. And it was wrong. And you're about to preach at 9 a.m. I'm about to preach, and it caused conflict between my wife and I. So... What I should have said was, we're going to have a meeting with the family and, and I'm going to talk to your grandfather and I'm going to address this. And then I'm going to shout, look, this is our family. And my wife really struggled leaving her parents, hmm. tearing and becoming one with me. It was, it was, it was a tense thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it was easier for me because my family was eight hours away. Oh, yeah. You know, like it was a long car drive. Yeah. You know, we didn't have money for flights. So yeah. it was, it was a. Let me tell you something. The five freeway will make you right. hate, hate California. So, right. um, so it was a difficult thing. But what I would say is talk with each other about, okay, here's the things. And you really got to figure that out because typically elderly people will not change. Mm-hmm. You can confront them until Jesus comes. You can challenge him. You can ask him to uh, have boundaries. And, and um, you know, I love my mom and dad. They're, they are who they are. Yeah. I mean, it's, if I need them to change, I need, you know, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You know, it's just, I've got to embrace and love them (laughs) for them. And part of insanity is expecting everyone else to change. What you guys need to do is change as a couple, figure it out and say, here's what we're going to do and deal with the consequences. Here's the truth. Boundaries cause consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and most families are not going to celebrate your boundary. Right. But but you got to figure it out and it's got to be fair. You can't you exactly. can't you can't you, you can't just choose one family or one tradition over the other. You got you got to figure it out. And so it's it's very very difficult um and it's very very challenging and that's just that's just the way that it is. Yeah. Um but I'll, I'll be praying for you, but you have to you know share with your husband what your frustrations are and come up with a plan to deal with it. And he needs to be the one to talk to his family. You need to be the one to talk to your family. Right. Don't put that voodoo on the other one. Yeah. <laughs> I tell Tammy this all the time. You deal with your crazy, 
I'll deal with my I'll crazy. Deal with and that what I mean by that is families. Yeah. And and her family has craziness, my family has craziness, and we need to deal with that because you know, no matter how real my family's problems are, when Tammy's criticizing them, I become defensive because it's yeah, me. Because it's you. Yeah. And so I have to deal with my family. She has to deal with her family. And um and and you know, I mean, I think you'll grow with wisdom. So that let me just put the hope out there. It will get better with time if you continue to grow with Christ with each other and create boundaries and yeah. and and just you know don't cut your family off that's not christian we're not a cult but try to figure out how to have you know as much time with family that you can possibly handle so yeah yeah i think uh you know being 12 years married to ashley this has always been a, a journey for us and an ongoing learning process something that's been helpful is that we try to be as clear as we can about our expectations right. so if this is a boundary here's what i'm expecting you know and is that expectation conscious? Like, am I aware that this is my expectation, yeah. right? So what I mean by that is for a number of years, I was just unconsciously expecting that we would always see my parents on Christmas. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, no, we have traditions, too, that yeah. we were trying to create and cultivate, right? Is that expectation realistic? Is it spoken? And is it agreed upon? Like, yeah. that's, you know, Peace Gazera's little four. Here's, yeah. here's four parts to an expectation that then established a value and a boundary, mm-hmm. right? And so... Going back, revisiting those values, those expectations, creating a boundary. But here's also a challenge that I, I've been sitting with this personally as it relates to like how I engage with people. There's that passage in Luke, Luke 6, where Jesus talks about that the Lord and God is, is uh, kind to the ungrateful yeah. and to the wicked. Mm. It's, in, it's in a long, a long conversation <clears throat> around him talking about loving your enemies. Mm. And I've just been meditating on that phrase, that God is kind to the ungrateful. And then just reflecting on what does that mean for my relationships with people? Because I think there is something deeply wise about what you just said about you don't want to cut them off completely. No. You know, and so boundaries do help protect. They do come with consequences, but that doesn't mean you're completely gone, you know? And so that passage, along with Paul's words that I still find baffling to this day, which is to make an allowances for one another's faults. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's a work of discernment of like, okay, what kind of allowances do I need to make for my own family, for my in-laws, you know? And then how does that get expressed during holiday season? And so, right. because sometimes I think we're maybe a little quick to label things as like, oh, this is super toxic or unsafe, you know? Maybe that is the case and you do need to like leave the house or leave the party, you know? Yeah. But is there an opportunity still to, to model the love of God in being kind to those who are ungrateful? in making allowances for each other's faults, you know, so that, yeah, maybe we go for an hour, but then we're really clear after we eat, after we exchange, whatever, then, then we're leaving, you know? And yeah. so I think just having, having that conversation, revisiting it and, and just know it's an ongoing process. Like it does get better, I think with time, but you constantly revisit it yeah. because every year is different. Relationships change, your priorities change, you know, like who you married at first is not exactly who you, who you're still married to 10 years ago. Like they've changed. Right. And so, mm. There's a lot of things that you just got to embrace is like, this is an every year thing. So we need to make a priority to discuss it, you know, ahead of time, not the night before or when yeah. everyone's tense. And I think, I think healthy boundaries here, here's an example of some healthy boundaries. If families have excessive drinking. Yeah. So that's a healthy boundary. So you just say when everyone's intoxicated. So intoxication leads to arguments, violence, in some cases, uh, overly flirty, oh, yeah. touchy uncles. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've seen that. Um, 
You just say, we leave after the drinking has hit a certain point. And you just say, here's the point. Boom. Yeah. Uh, a big one for me is political arguments. I mean, yeah. I was I was at Easter at my parents' house, and the right-wing Trump supporter found the Bernie Sanders. And I literally stood up and said, the idiots have found each other, and I left. I was like, I'm done. I'm not... I'm not spending, I'm not spending my holiday with these two jerks who want to scream at each other at a table with, with the meal that my mom's provided. I'm done. Yeah. I'm just done. Like I, like you guys, it's, you know, save that for Twitter later and just hammer each other out. And, and, and I just, I don't, I don't want to be around rude, abrasive people for, for longer than I need to. Yeah. Be. And so, um, you know, and, and it's it, it was a tough situation, and neither of those people are in my life anymore. It's interesting; they've both mm. gone so far to the left and to the right that we we're just not. Yeah. I shouldn't say we're not in contact, but we're not in relationship. Yeah. Um. And there's not a conflict, but it's like, man, we're not having a meal. Yeah. We're not sharing a meal, and so, um, you know, I mean, one of those relationships ended because I've defined male and female as binary, mm. like that. That I mean, that that's where we are. It's like, look, man. I mean. That, that is, I don't mean that to be hurtful or that I don't see your person or, but this is, this is how I see the world mm. and th that's it. And the other, you know, the other hand I've said, look, you've got to be kind and you cannot be insulting or abusive to the people around you. And this person is just, and has a drug, this person has a drug addiction. Um, mm. And we've just said, okay, we're, you know, I, I'm all for being kind, but if you are intoxicated or you are on something or off something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then We're I'm not, I'm, down. then I'm not going to be, I'm not right. going to be in a, at a table with you. Right. Right. I'll be at a table with a center. I'll be at a table with a hurting person. I'll be at a table with a broken person, but you get a drunk person, you get an abusive person. No, like yeah. that's not, not for a holiday. Yeah. You know, you want to sit down and talk counseling, you know, you want to make an appointment to talk like, sure. But the day of celebration, you, you want to ruin this for everybody. No, come on. Right. And unfortunately, you know, uh, was it Festivus, the Arian of Grievances, yeah. Seinfeld? Festivus for the rest Festivus of us. Festivus for the rest of us. Oh, my gosh. You know, and Frank just, Costanza, man. Yeah, man. So. We got a poll. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Thanks for your insight. Uh, next, we got an anonymous question from Arkansas. I'm 33 with four kids. Man, all under eight. Yeah. And Christmas has been a struggle with my mom every year since I got married. I want to honor her desires at Christmas time, but I also need to prioritize my own family's needs and desires. What are some tips for making loving boundaries with her so that my nuclear family can make our own traditions and memories and so that I don't spend January through November dreading December? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would Great do question. is is some tips for boundaries. What I would do is just sit down with your mom and say, hey, man, I really loved our childhood. These are the things I'm so grateful for but I want to create these memories with my kids. And um, how could we negotiate this? Mm -hmm. and, and this is what most people fail to understand, that every relationship that's real negotiates. And nobody, nobody ever talks about that. You've got to negotiate. This is why your children, all your little kids, when they're fighting, they're learning to negotiate. They're, and they're not good at it. That's why they fight. And you need to allow them to work through their problems. So a parent intervenes, there's got to be silence, you know, um, you, you've got to, I mean, don't allow like cutting and, you know, like, right, right, you know, right. torture, but you've got to allow them to work that out because it's difficult Yeah. when there's limited space, a car, limited resources, a meal, 
uh, snacks, one TV. And I know now kids all have their pads everywhere. But when, I, when I was a kid, you know, there was one TV yeah. and we got to fight over which, yeah. which of the three channels Tent. we want to watch. Because <laughs> yeah. I was raised in the, in the good old days. Um, but you got to negotiate that. And you just, what I would do is, is I would ask your mom, mom, how would you solve this? That's great. And get wisdom from her. That way you're honoring her. And you don't have to do what she says, but say, thanks so much. I'm going to consider this. Can we meet again and talk about it? Because I'm dreading mom something that should be so great. Yeah. And um, now if she's a narcissist, you know, and, and a lot of people are narcissists, it's you can't negotiate with a narcissist. So you have to just create a real boundary and um, that's tough, but I'm sorry, bro. And, and, and that's sad. Holiday shouldn't be something that we dread. It should be something that we look forward to. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, w I would say, you know, this is this is that aspect of sacrificial love that's that's happening in this moment. You know, you're learning to love someone despite them um, and in the challenging moment of trying right. to see eye to eye on, on yeah, what we do, how long we spend with you in light of, you know, I like that they mentioned they're also trying to prioritize their own family's needs and desires, you know. And at some level, hopefully your parents come around to honoring that. Mm -hmm. They don't always. Right. But ho hopefully they do, you know. And if they don't, then then give yourself grace and permission to grieve yeah. the change of relationship like that. That's just part of how life goes yeah. at times, you know, and learning to let go of that. Be grateful for the times. I like that you meant, you know, be grateful for the tra traditions you have. Yeah. Name those things, celebrate those things. But then also say there's there's a new season now that's here. You yeah. Know? And so and understand for grandparents, that's hard. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a hard transition to make. And the older you are the harder changes. Yeah. And so we just have to understand that. Um, yeah. You know, and, and w what happens as you age ultimately is a loss of control. Mm. And so have grace. Mm. They're, they're, they don't have control of their bodies. They don't have control of their sleep. They don't have control. Of, I mean, you know, I sit down with my parents and, you know, I just, I'm dumbfounded by the amount of pills they have to take. I'm like, mm. oh my gosh, well, guess who's headed that way? Me. I mean, so, yeah. so, you know, holidays oftentimes is the last thing they can control. Right. And so it's like, okay, how do I, how do I honor them in this and, um, and be flexible. I mean, years ago we took a holiday and I don't recommend this, but we went to Australia for Christmas. Wow. And I loved it. I, it was my, it's my favorite vacation we took as a family, but we celebrated Christmas on December 15th. I mean, we like woke up in the morning, nice trees under the trees under the present present under the trees <laughs> that'd be a we visual. did we did christmas and so so that's the thing is it about the date or is it about the family exactly because nobody knows when jesus was born exactly it, I, I hate to let everybody know but it probably wasn't december 25th so be flexible yeah and if you need your date we celebrate on the 23rd we celebrate we do our time on this date and you protect that date and then you're loose because Older people probably aren't going to be able to change the date. Yeah. But we did. Right. Now, I'll tell you this. My wife was depressed in Australia on the day of Christmas when she was FaceTiming with her family. You know, it was. Yeah. So it was it was harder for her. Yeah. It wasn't hard for me. I, we, were, we were literally at Bondi Beach in Australia. It was great. <laughs> You're like, Merry Christmas. Yeah, dude. It was fantastic. But, <laughs> yeah. but my wife was, you know has FOMO dude, fear of missing. And we were missing out. We're yeah. missing out on a holiday on that particular day, but we were experiencing a memory for us. Right. But that's again, my wife struggled with the two shall become one flesh. She struggled building our things. Now I think she's there now. Yeah. 
as an almost 50 year old woman, but it's been a battle to get there and go, okay, this is who we are. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I had expectations of my wife that I didn't communicate. And so I wasn't yeah. clear on those. Yeah, I wasn't clear that okay, we're going to be one. Those were just natural assumptions that I made. Right, right. And I so yeah, you know. I love that you said like that the day can maybe be a different day. Yeah, right? that's one thing I feel like I'm relearning is that it's the magic of the Christmas season. And so sometimes that means December 23rd, you're with this family. The 24th, Christmas Eve, you're here. You know, like that's how it works in our family. We have about yeah. three, four days straight of Amen. Christmas. It's right? a Mexican party, bro. Yeah, and our kids love it. We enjoy it, and yeah, it, it changes the the expectation of yeah, we're gonna celebrate Christmas. It just won't be on this yeah particular day, you know. And so, uh, learning learning to get at home with that because you're a limited person. You only have so much energy, so much time, so many relationships you can manage. Like, yeah, and that's so, a good word. Yeah. So, so we did that. I'm not saying it was great. It'd be interesting to see what my wife's perspective was on on celebrating Christmas. And uh, she's like, I'm never going back to Australia. On yeah. <laughs> What did you say? Yeah, that's my daughter saying the rest of us. Love. It was I. I think it was our best vacation as a family. Man, that's so we did. So. We did Australia and uh, New Zealand because it's summertime there. So that was weird. Oh, yeah, too. That was weird too. To be there. Yeah. yeah. So man, great. Thank you for that. Next question, uh, Jacob from Pittsburgh. What's up, Pittsburgh? I adore my partner's family, but during the holidays they can be a lot. When I spend a long time with them, I feel as though my social battery can be very short. I don't want them to think I'm being rude, but whenever I kindly seclude myself, I love that phrase, kindly seclude yeah. myself, they think that something is wrong with me. But in reality, I just need space. What can I do? Yeah, I mean, I what I would do is I'd ask your spouse if if you're being reasonable or not. Because, because I think, again especially when you're young, it's so hard to enter into a home that you did not grow up in. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just not that way. Um, you know, it was much easier for me to assimilate to my wife's family than it was for her to my family. It just, it just was very, very, you know, um, and I don't think that her family was better. I just think I'm more naturally attuned to fitting in yeah. than maybe she is, you know, she is just, sees things a certain way and that's the way it is um and i'm more malleable you know okay yeah you know You'll make it work yeah yeah um so you know i think that you you need to be self-reflective and are you are you because there's two truths one is they're oblivious to the fact that you need an hour um but you know i had a relative we'd go on vacation and she'd be in the camper for three days <laughs> i kid you not and we did this we did this for 10 years and my wife's like, I can't do this anymore. Like we mm -hmm. literally would go camping as a family and I had a relative that would be in their trailer. And I'm trying to use non-specific pronouns in their trailer for days at a time. Wow. And I'm sure there was probably some anxiety. Yeah. There was some worry. My, my family's a lot. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it, it, it put the burden of taking care of all the kids more squarely on my wife. It was difficult. And so, you know, I would say probably later in the evening is better time to do that. You know, I wouldn't yeah. try to be really, really strategic about when you're taking time. Yeah. Um, you know, if the family's engaging, like if they're all sitting down to watch a movie, I think that's a great time to go in the room. But if yeah. they're playing a game, if they're having a meal, so try to be strategic about when you're getting your time yeah. so that it doesn't look like you're just being a snob mm -hmm. and pulling out mm -hmm. um, and, and try not to miss out on the family time. Um, but at the same time, look, everybody needs to recharge. 
um, you know, we'll, we'll get together with my dad, my dad's out there and 30 minutes in, he's in his room on his computer playing some game. Cause he's just, he's, he's done. Working on a solitaire game. Yeah. A solitaire game. And I'm just like, okay, but I'd rather have that than him grumpy out, yeah, out there. So true. So it's just like, okay, true. you know, um, and part of the, but part of that's hearing. So when you're older and you have hearing aids and everybody's yelling and laughing and screaming, oh, it's man. very painful if you have if you have hearing aids yeah, and so, so again away. it's it's being um and little kids dude you know they can hit notes that that's how you know when you're getting older you're like man somebody shut that kid up it's like you're like okay grumpy yeah um so so just i would just say be be relationally strategic when yeah. is a good time for me to check out or whatever yeah um you know if everybody's on their phone that's a good time mm-hmm. um so yeah if they're playing a game or something yeah jacob you know i don't know your exact situation how much equity you have with your partner's family but maybe there's an opportunity just to just name how you're doing in that moment say hey i'm happy to be here i love that we get this time to celebrate at some point i'm gonna need 30 minutes to myself like just name her for what it is hopefully they understand you yeah and give you that space you know and i love what you said like engage with them if they're playing a game if there is a perfect moment to go like just go that you know, after you finish your meal, maybe you got a long bathroom break, like take that bathroom yeah. break, you know, or before the party, you just get some good alone time or right after the party, you get some alone time, you know, so just, uh, but yeah, there's something I think about just naming it. I think it better helps them understand you, yeah. love you. And like, you could adjust the elephant in the room. Like, yeah, I'm a bit introverted. I just yeah. need some, some inclusion time and, and like they can roll with it, you know? Yeah. So I love yeah. you guys. I got to recharge my battery. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Just stay it. I think. I think that's the challenge today, though. People, I think it's just hard for people to name where they're exactly at, you know, and maybe they don't feel safe. Maybe that relationship isn't built there, but I think it could be immensely helpful. Just like, yo, I'm I'm happy to, it's Christmas Eve, but like, I'm beat, y'all. So I'm probably going to be a sleep Santa for now, you know, so I'll wake up up when the tamales are ready. Yeah. And what I would just say is this is pretty normal. I mean, most families struggle connecting, you know, I mean, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. So yeah that's good good all right man we're making it through next one comes from Paige from la morada i know that disobedience is an overlooked topic of the bible but if i'm being honest i've been disobedient to god for 29 years of my life my question is that would i really or that i would really like to know what is the cost of disobedience what are the consequences of disobedience to god and how can i unblock the blessings god has for me I mean, you can't go back. Um, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's the sad reality of the power of choice. Yeah. You know, there's, there's nothing you can do about yesterday. And so, but here's the beauty. I can change today mm-hmm. and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the you know, uh, Lamentations, you know, is a book on sorrow, sadness. Repentance. You know, because yeah. of really the disobedience of Israel and mm-hmm. the loss of the promised land. Yeah. And, uh, but there's this beautiful uh, verse in chapter three, the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Mm. And so what I would just say is I would just say, Lord, um, cause from time to time, God reveals to me um, through the Holy spirit, just some, some areas of disobedience as a pastor over 27 years. And I just say, I, I'm just so sorry, Lord. And then I move on. Yeah. I move on. I don't, because there's nothing I could I, I I can do to go back and 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 woulda coulda shoulda is a dangerous game, yeah. 
Right. And so what I want to do is I'll say, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. And I, I want to walk in obedience today. And I want to be blessed today. And, um, and I want to experience that. And so, um, you know, I'm sorry for, for the past and, and you have missed out on those blessings. There's, there's a blessing of, um, you know, following God for a lifetime. And, and not that I've done that perfectly because I've been disobedient, but I would say it's interesting. She, is it she or he? She, she said 27 years, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how long I've been pastor of Sandals. 29 years. Oh, 29 years. So I've been, I've been here 27 years. So, so we're close. Um, I've not always been obedient. And so, um, and specifically here's how sin worked. And I see this in pastors because of all the good I'm doing, I'm going to allow myself disobedience in this one area. Mm -hmm. You know, like, um, I've seen so many pastors throughout the years. Well, I'm not having an affair, but I'm going to allow myself porn. I'm going to create this little, little island of yeah, of some pl- justification. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. this. Um, you know, I'm a good person. I serve at church. So I'm not going to tithe. Um, I'm a good person, so I'm not going to serve. You know, I'm not going to do those things. And so, um, you know, obedience is a call to two things every time. One, it's to obedience, and two, it's to blessing. And there's, you know, Jesus says, my food is to do the work of the Father. When the disciples come back, and is it John 5 with the so food? Like, who fed him a sandwich? Yeah, who fed him a sandwich? And he's like, look, there, there's a feeding that takes place. There's nourishment that takes place through obedience. Yeah. And and what what I would just say is, okay, I've I've robbed myself of the blessings of being obedient, but I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. I'm going to this day forward walk in obedience whenever I can. And when I don't do that, I'm going to immediately repent and ask for forgiveness. Yes. And I'm gonna um. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sit in this. And, and, and that's what I would just say. It's, it's, there's beauty in obeying God. Let me say that again. There's beauty in obeying God. And most people rob themselves of that. Right. I was talking with my middle daughter who works at a very, very secular firm. And what I mean by secular is non-Christian. This is the music industry. Um, this is, you know, like everything, everything that you think of being the worst part of music. Huh. And this is the business side of it. So this right. is the, the dollars and cents of really the promotion of many values that are not you and I would not agree with. And I asked her, I said, um, I said, is there a difference? Cause she worked from here at Sandals church. Is there a difference between working in that environment and this environment? And she's like, Oh, absolutely. Hmm. She said, they're, they're miserable people. Wow. They're miserable people. And they mock her that she's young and married. I said, why do you think that is? They're jealous because there's blessings to, instead of having sex repeatedly and just shacking up with dudes yeah. to being married. And and they, they loathe that, but she was just in, it was just interesting. She's gotten to see two worlds, yeah, the Christian world and what it looks like to live in the environment of a mom and dad who've tried to be obedient to God. And then people who completely disregard that and say, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And I asked her, I said, who's happier? And she said, it's not close. Hmm. She said, there's a joy there's a joy in in the house of the Lord. She's like, that's not present in a very successful, um, uh, esteemed right. world. Right. And they're miserable. Yeah. They're miserable. Wow. So I just thought that was interesting. And this is this is the perspective of a mid-20-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, young adults, sorry. Yeah. Who's saying, she's seeing it firsthand. Yeah. The misery of sin and the beauty of obedience. Yeah. And um you know, um, and, and, and for everybody listening, you know, sin always has um, a blessing for a moment. Oh, yeah. 
and then the rent comes due. Yeah. And it's brutal. Yeah. It's the law of returns. <clears throat> Paul yeah. says God won't be mocked. You know, what what we sow, we will reap. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, Paige, I would imagine the cost of disobedience for 29 years is significant. I right. think about the Proverbs where it says, how, how long can a person walk on coals and their feet not get burned? Mm. Right. So I would imagine if you've seen anyone who has a burn, there's like a scarring, there's a callousness that's created. And so I would imagine for 29 years, that that's significant, like just numb skin now. Yeah. But it's still not great enough or, or too much for God's love, his new mercies mm-hmm. to break through and create something new, you know. And so the fact that you're coming to this realization, hopefully is a sign that you're able to zero in on the specific ways you need to repent mm-hmm. for, for whatever you've been disobedient to in 29 years. And then embrace the call of Jesus to follow him in that specific area of your life mm-hmm. and position yourself to experience more of God. Right? right. Obedience, not so much as a way to manipulate, but to put yourself in position to get God, mm-hmm. not just his stuff, but to enjoy him. And then the fruit that comes from that obedience, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. May, may grace, may grace get you there for mm-hmm. sure. So. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you everyone for the questions today. Uh, hopefully they, they've stirred some thinking, some, some moving, and even just a desire to draw close to God in prayer and to, yeah, even draw close to people, yeah. um, especially in this time of life. And so hopefully we might all be moved in that way. Uh, I want to just appreciate everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. You can always uh, submit questions anytime at move.se/slash ask. You can also do so by going to the Sandals Church app. Thanks again, Willie. We'll see you next week. Appreciate it, Pastor Matt. Thanks for listening to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, consider liking, subscribing, and sharing it with a friend. If you would like to submit a question to Pastor Matt, you can do so at move.sc ask. And if you would like to support the work we are doing, consider donating at donate.sc. Thank you again and have a blessed day.